Hello and welcome to the Violinist Podcast. Today our guest is some amazing violinist, first concertmaster of the Finnish National Opera, former first concertmaster of Turku Philharmonic Orchestra and Royal Philharmonic Orchestra in London, Yuka Mariadin. Hello, Yuka. Hello, Maxim. Nice to be here talking with you. Yeah, same. You're nowadays also a part-time teacher in the Sibelius Academy, is it? Right. Yes, absolutely. So. And then, then it's something new for you, as I understand, right? Well, in a way, yes, and also no, because I've been teaching like throughout my career quite actually already on a younger age. Here and then, some master classes, some part part time teaching, and you know, like helping helping people throughout my years to basically to tackle the same problems what I've been working with and and probably mm-hmm. still will be. So it's kind of nice interaction, uh, you know, interaction between the student and the fellow player. Mm-hmm. So just like, yeah, it's it's not really a new thing, but of course, first time like doing something on a steady basis in the Sibelius Academy. So of course, I'm really mm-hmm. happy for that. Does it feel different uh, of playing? Do you have some special, I don't know, things? What you have to have to be a teacher? Whoa! I could be, I could be talking a lot about this, this uh, subject. I, for the first, of course, I personally think that every teacher need needs kind of a good formula, what to sort of to feed um for the students. But then, uh, you need to be able to treat your every student individually as an individual person with possibly very different needs from your other students. And you as a teacher, you need to be very sensitive towards that fact. And also there are huge differences um, with different people. Some people can take a lot of shit, you know, <laughs> and yeah. don't mind. And then just some people are much more sensitive towards kind of bad words or something. And you as a teacher, you really need to be focusing also that what kind of approach uh, this and this uh, student needs from you. So it's, I think it's very important that you also do some self-reflecting on, on the way that you choose kind of the correct way how to go with this person. And it's a, it's very tricky business, and I think the only way is also to learn from your own experiences that you just try to be better with that all the time. Mm. So it's a very very individual. You you should find a way for every student, right? Yeah, basically, of course, depending on their individual needs. Just mm. you happen to bump into kind kind of very different uh, people also that some people are much more say complete violinist or musician and some people are just really needing much more guidance on the way there so I think that's also and you know ultimately we uh, I'm playing the same music same stuff along with the people I try to help so in a way it's I've always when I was younger and I was teaching people it was kind of very useful for me that I thought that well I'm actually trying trying myself to make this piece sound really good and also kind of passing on 
my personal ideas, what I'm experiencing kind of right now when I practice this piece. And I think it's also very useful that you you can adapt, you know, this your students' problems on the way because you might be having these exactly same problems as as you speak. So it is you you have to be really open minded and not put yourself like too much above your student because you're actually two fellow players. Yeah, it's, it's uh, what uh, David Oistrak said that he learned the most from his students, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's it's well said, I think. It's kind of sometimes I even when I have, I've like students who are on, they, you know, themselves, they are on a very high level. I kind of would say that, yeah, this is not teaching, it's more like a consultation. <laughs> from my side um, but the thing what I think is something what every people who come to my lessons they they most often they hear from me is that I will often say that please make me understand what you meant by your playing or your phrasing it doesn't have to be similar to mine and I'm sure there are most of them <laughs> better solutions than mine but but you need to make a point what you chose and why and then it's very acceptable and maybe sometimes uh, this is kind of one thing what i feel that many people need more help or like more to be reminded of that fact well if we start talking about uh, different play different ways of playing uh, then i have uh, another question like we were talking before about that there is uh, so many different ways of, for example, playing Bach or Beethoven, and uh, someone should say, someone saying, oh, you should play like the Finnish style or like German style or like Soviet. What uh, does it really matter? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I could, I could speak many hours too much of this, <laughs> so <laughs> I, try to, I try to make it short or short enough. It is. Of course, like everything is being said about how to how to phrase or how to play Bach, Beethoven, romantic music. I think, um, well, yeah, I don't know where to start from, but I don't think that there is currently so much like a typical Finnish or German, French, and you, you know English style of violin playing. It is. I think the world has become smaller in that way that we have been able to get much more influence for different countries for decades and of course the internet and the digital development has made it so easy for everyone of us everywhere in the world just to get influences from any kind of players and any styles so and then people absorb them quickly so i don't think that's probably something which really exists anymore. Of course, there are things like Russian violin school, kind of, the, or the heritage from it, and also French. But also, these start to kind of disappear little by little, I think. And maybe it's good that that people concentrate more in a way that it just sounds beautiful and smart, and <laughs> you know, whenever it's it's played really well and beautifully, and it makes sense. It doesn't really matter to me, like 
if this is a uh, where does this play come from or what schooling did a person have it kind of becomes kind of irrelevant in the way but as you said this is this is something you could talk like endlessly <laughs> so let's yeah. save our listeners from that <laughs> yeah. yeah well uh, then another question how about uh, then competitions and auditions because our uh, our violin playing is quite ob- objective and uh, it's easy to say that it's not right style or it's uh, not correct way so is, is in this case is uh, usually auditions and competitions are they usually fair well yeah another another difficult question i would say that most probably um all the competitions and auditions you know they basically they filter out the best players on that day but demanding thing is of course to be able to judge between your personal ideas or preferences and then also because there are many other people on the jury on that day like if it's an audition or violin competition so it's kind of a mixture some kind of compromise of those people around on that day how they felt that day and then the result is quite often a compromise that you don't have a unanimous winner but kind of a matter of taste was something which was decisive at the end of the day and also it's it's kind of healthy to see that more and more people are also interested in unlike playing the music and you know knowing the different styles really well and you know playing stylistically and so it's not only a technical skill competition which of course um you can't undermine because if it doesn't sound good then you know there is no use so you just need to be able to of course nail those notes correctly but the problem is that there are so many players around who just do it nowadays so therefore you need to be concentrating on on those even more important things on the way but yeah i think auditions while competitions they are something which with the same players but different juries might have some different results next week you know so it's it's also sometimes a bit coincidental so just yeah there is no straight straight answer to this one but maybe this helps a bit of my understanding how i feel yeah we were talking also uh, before that uh, also very important social sync in the orchestras but uh, there is also exist problems uh, in some orchestras i played in some very good orchestras one of them the solistes europeans in luxembourg which i member of but probably you also know that there is some orchestras in which are kind of you know drinking together is more important than playing together and what do you think about this yeah well there are a lot of different orchestras who as i've seen they also happen to have very different circumstances or conditions some orchestras 
um, especially uh, in out in Europe. Some of them do much more touring. Of course, not during this horrible year 2020 when <laughs> all the tours being cancelled. So let's hope a better one for for us and our listeners for the 2021. But um, that you basically can cope very well together with your colleagues. I think that's a thing which matters really everywhere. But it is true that in some orchestras who like spend so many days and hours together, let's say in our different concert halls, airports, hotels, I think it is essential that these people, they get along with each other probably even better than than some orchestras, let's say they do like a shift or deanst based work in a big opera house where they rarely see you know the same person twice in a week <laughs> so mm, i don't know whether this really answers your question but yeah i think it it does matter that um you have a good time with your colleagues because then if this and when they happen also to be good good players good musicians and then you also like their company i think that can not be anything else but basically results on even better atmosphere and playing and something which the audience will absolutely also notice and get carried away even better so yeah of course you don't have to let's say your colleagues all your colleagues cannot be all your best friends either but quite often we uh, as musicians we happen to bump into you know a lot of people inside this branch who we like very much to you know just to hang around as your social company or friend even outside the job so these things go a bit hand in hand it doesn't have to be so but often it happens yeah and what to do if you happen kind of uh to play, let's say, in, in, to get work in this kind of unbalanced orchestra where, where actually, kind of, let's say, skills not matter much, but more how you go, how you drink, I don't know. Yeah, well, I haven't bumped into that. And, and in today's world, where we have more and more great players uh, being unemployed and only freelancing and you know wishing to have more work i would say that these kind of orchestras would just be a bit too un un uh, professional if they would treat people and rate them too much you know based on their social skills you still need to be just able to judge them first and very much so based you know on their professional level and then as a bonus comes also whether this person is is a nice fellow too but even though you wouldn't think that but you still will always have to respect you know that 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 person is super high level player so yeah i would not personally like at all you know that there would be this kind of say attitude or behavior from some orchestra side because we are different people. Um, all of us are individuals, and that has to be respected as well. Yeah, I think that I think that's why it's important uh, not just get a job because some 
some uh, violinists and musicians think that you just should get some job in orchestra, but I think it's important to find orchestra in which you feel yourself good also. Absolutely. And yeah, it, of course, it doesn't cover only that area of our lives that you, yeah, it's not only the orchestra, but any person in any profession, of course, ideal that you find a place where you feel respected and you like your colleagues and there is a good atmosphere. That's, of course, important thing. And everyone who finds that combination can call him or herself very lucky. So it, it does matter, absolutely. You're right. Yeah, well, let's talk about then about you and your playing in the Finnish opera. Do you like it? In that orchestra and opera in general, how do you feel it in general? Well, of course, I have to say I like it because I work there. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's my it's my first opera job, and you actually cannot have another opera job in Finland because we have only one national mm. opera. I used to do symphony orchestras before. However, when I joined them, um. Some years ago, actually, 2012, I didn't feel that still the difference wasn't kind of so big that many of my friends and, you know, fellow musicians outside the opera, they were asking. And I, I still kind of consider that this is still, you know, the same music, just with some different combination. You have some singers there more often than in symphony orchestras. and um maybe the biggest difference <coughs> was also the fact that you you play in the pit and my place just next to that screen where i can't see anyone from the audience and 95% of them can't see me so then maybe that's the difference what took some time to get used to but i always kind of have been treating also um my fellow players in the orchestra my colleagues that if you can't see the you know the customers there you have your colleagues as as your audience and your it's like a big chamber music group so in a way it doesn't really matter at all so yeah i mean of course there is so much kind of new music to me opera music because in six seven years you haven't you haven't kind of played nowhere near true the existing, even the standard repertoire. I catch some part of it already, but I know there is like loads of music coming up, which is basically just should belong to my library already. But but yeah, it's refreshing that you you get some new areas, you know, in in this profession. That so I basically just when I reach the point that you know. I had played through <coughs> like the symphony orchestra things. Then, then I was stupid enough to <laughs> to take a new job and start from zero, that knowing nothing. But <laughs> it's refreshing, and of course, um, there's been a lot of chances to also do as as an extra. Play some gigs still in good orchestras. Symphony orchestra, you know, just for 
just for some change and also you know the chamber music hasn't it's uh, it's still there some occasional solo things so yeah. uh, in a way it sounds funny but it hasn't changed so much than i thought mm. um before joining them so it's just a bit different feeling when you're playing yeah well kind of the evenings are longer and and you still kind of of course you end up playing more accompagnato uh, mm. if you if you um think about the symphony mm. programs but you will have your moment still in the opera we also do the national ballet there in the same building and and of course like there is nothing like swan lake or yeah or you name this you have this massive solo prepared to us like if you compare with yeah. Lab, that's only what four or five pages so it's like three times as little as swan lake <laughs> so yeah so new new challenges come up every week um mm. probably even more than in the symphony orchestra repertoire which i started to know already so mm. yeah it's different also the amount of being able to prepare um then the rotation of the players because we do so many shows and rehearsals so you can't possibly have the same players next to you that much so mm. it's also an interesting factor that that you might have a new colleague every day next to you during a week and and um it makes it kind of interesting and also something that maybe you need to be even more flexible as a musical person as is in the symphony orchestra where you adopt so much to you know to the guy next to you who is most often the same person all the time but at the opera you kind of need to be able to be even more flexible and just like all the shows can be different from evening to another one depending on different circumstances so there is much more variance do you have many conductors or is it usually one opera one conductor and then another opera another conductor well yeah what comes to like the difference between symphony orchestra and opera the symphony orchestra get like a new production most mostly every week and mostly also with different conductor and we we just work a longer period with the same one okay. and then then well it's, yeah i mean basically the same work but let's say like my first my first year i remember a week where i did probably like seven seven different works the same week like either rehearsals or performances and i think six or seven of them were a different person so <laughs> they were re really like simultaneously going so many different projects at the same time is it yeah it's, it's like a big factory which has its parts and so yeah it's kind of it's kind of something that when you work like that way then it's impossible to get too much stuck on one conductor because the next day you have already another person <laughs> and another music so yeah you need to be prepared for anything really <laughs>
very flexible. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I also think uh, listeners will be in- interested to hear your story. Well, I I started from from yeah, like my orchestra career from the Helsinki Philharmonic as a first violin tutti player, and then then it took some years, and I discovered I just yeah I was more ambitious as we probably all of us are in our careers so i just wanted to do more auditions and i ended up for a year in copenhagen philharmonic where i started as a second valley principal and then i also get a job for second concert master but already at that time i had gotten involved with the royal Philharmonic, uh like after audition and successful trial period i ended up for the associate leader so that meant chair number two and yeah that was like so different from as i like kind of in the nice and peaceful scandinavia helsinki stockholm where i studied some years um copenhagen where was white i was used to because the london life was so hectic um of course we all and I, I knew that this city was like probably 100 times bigger than Helsinki and probably 100 times more people <laughs> as well um that was kind of an adventure with the music with all the like every day you have something different either like a recording or one day trip to Switzerland to play a concert and then come back same evening and do a recording session next morning with someone else and always with a different city. Uh, I mean, I'm in a studio and place, so you could not really leave your stuff anywhere. So basically, needed to carry all the time, and that was. And then um, it was like a great time where I felt that musically, I had really, really good time, and um, I liked the people a lot. And but it was very heavy and stressful work what came to like basically traveling all the time um and when i joined them i was kind of quite quickly i thought to myself that probably i'm not gonna grow old here but let's let's give it a try and i kept i kept going on between uh, my former place of my former home helsinki and london quite regularly and doing also some gigs uh, in Finland during that time because it was quite easy to to basically choose choose from their work what you didn't want to do. And their system was um, that you get paid for what you do. And so there was not like paid salary, but whenever you showed up, you got money. So, but um, I would say that after these three years that, okay, uh, they would require me to do some more work or actually quite much more what I was able to do at the time so then just thought it would be better just leave it for that time and haven't regretted it because I think you know the life turned out immediately much more peaceful and you know kind of the life what I had used to in Scandinavia but still I thought it was a great experience and you know a great orchestra and I learned so much from playing with them and also also learn to respect my own ideas that this is what i thought um that the, as a good ensemble should be playing 
And then when I worked with they since day one, then I thought, yes, I was right. Because this is yeah. how they play. <laughs> so, yeah, then I was sometime, sometime, let's say freelance, unemployed. And then uh, my position, my former position in Turku Philharmonic came open and then I auditioned for it. So, yeah, it's kind of a long, long trip. Um, and then some years in Turku and then I came back for the, my hometown Helsinki when this national opera position became open. So, yeah, now it's going to take some more that I would <laughs> still, still leave my great position for what I really respect for the moment and I'm being happy for it. So let's say probably the circle has closed, but of course you never know in our business. But yeah, this is kind of a longish answer to your question. <laughs> yeah. Right. Enjoy the second part of the interview with Yuka Marianen in the next episode.